This novel and its recording are both copyright by Alessandro Chima and Candlelight Stories, Inc., available at candlelightstories.com. A Candlelight Stories audio production. Pirate Jack by Alessandro Chima Chapter 19 Finley Royal Jameson and the others sang and argued on deck into the night. Finley had cooked up a delicious dinner of salted pork, beans, biscuits, and beer. The food was amazingly fresh, since the galleon had only just been made ready for a voyage to Spain. I felt strong for the task that lay ahead. Weasel brought up the rum, and the group became happy and loud. It was a surprise to hear how well Captain Jameson could sing the seafaring ditties. I watched him lean back against the gunwale, his legs stretched out on the quarter-deck. He lifted his cup and sang out. Weasel joined him from across the deck, and then Finley and Dan started their deep bass accompaniment. I listened to the sailor songs for a long time, before I started to act sleepy. I made a big show of yawning and stretching until Jameson broke off and said, "'Go below, lad, and get some sleep. You're bringing down the song with all that yawning.' I nodded and got up to climb down the ladder. The pirates doubled their volume, and Finley conducted with his cup. Morgan, standing straight behind the wheel, nodded good night to me as I climbed down. When I got below, I went to my hammock and climbed in. The pirate's song was drifting through the ship, and I listened to its tale of a woman's loyalty to her seafaring husband. The song got softer and softer, until only Finley's voice carried to my hammock. He sang it so beautifully, and he sounded truly heartbroken. I wondered why he'd been so wary of me. I'd never done anything to give away my plan. What was he so suspicious of? Was I right in suspecting that maybe he had a plan of his own, and was worried about a stranger who watched everything on board with such interest? After several minutes, Finley's voice trailed off, and the only sounds aboard were the creaks of the ship's oak timbers as she sailed toward Jamaica. I lay there for a long time, so I could be certain no one was going to come below. They'd all fallen asleep at Morgan's feet. The loyal first mate would steer all night and hand the ship over to Finley or Jameson in the morning. I climbed out of my hammock and put a heavy coil of rope inside it to fool anyone who glanced at it. Then I went down into the ship's hold. In the forward sail compartment I lifted a bag of gold dust out of its chest and dragged it slowly to the ladder. I heaved it up to the bridge deck and then up one more level to the cabins beneath the quarter deck. All was quiet. I made my way along the passageway to the captain's cabin. Jameson had spread the chart over the desk and had placed two pistols and a knife on top of it. Inside the desk drawer I found paper and ink. I shoved the bag of gold under the desk and sat down to write a letter. Dear Captain Jameson, I have become a pirate, just like you. Thank you for sparing my life when you brought me aboard your ship. Life on the sea has been more than I could ever have imagined back home. You have never known where I come from or why I am here. My home is far away in a different time. Coming here has given me a chance to save my father's house and our family business. I have stolen gold from you, and by now you will know that I am no longer on board. Hopefully I will be home by the time you read this. Please do not think poorly of me and my way of leaving. Forgive me for stealing the gold. It is the only way. 
I leave you the last of three magic scrolls. One of them brought me here from my home. With this scroll, you can travel farther than you ever thought possible. You can travel through time itself. Use it in your time of most need. Place it in a bottle and throw it in the sea. Then wait. Goodbye to you, Captain Jameson, and to Morgan, Dan, Finley, and Weasel. Jack. I placed the letter on the chart and put a pistol on top of it. Jameson would be sure to find it in the morning. As I was unbuckling my belt to take out the scrolls hidden in it, I heard a door close out in the companionway. I froze. My fingers quickly fastened my belt and I stepped to the cabin door. Very carefully, I opened it just a sliver so I could see into the narrow space outside. All of a sudden, the door across the companionway opened and Finley came out. He had pistols jammed in his belt and was carrying a cutlass. He turned and closed the door very delicately. Then he stole down the passageway toward the hatch. I opened the door another quarter inch and saw Finley climbing below. When he disappeared, I grabbed one of Jameson's pistols off the chart desk and snuck out. I tiptoed to the hatch and looked down. It was too dark to see anything, so I lay down on the deck carefully and hung my head through the hatch so I could look forward along the bridge deck. Finley was creeping forward, his back all hunched, his elbows sticking out on both sides, the cutlass glinting next to his knee. His broad, heavy body looked comical, moving so daintily on his toes. He stopped before my hammock. I held my breath, certain that he was about to discover my trick. Then his arm drew back, and I saw the cutlass. Finley thrust it savagely up through my hammock. It grated against the heavy rope coil, and Finley let out a grunt of disgust. He was trying to murder me. He yanked the sword out of the hammock and dumped the rope out onto the deck. He spun around, looking left and right. He moved to look behind the sea chests that were stacked along the bulkhead. Suddenly, he started moving very quickly back toward the hatch. I pulled my head up and got to my knees, not knowing which way to run. Terror made my arms shake. My fingers gripped the pistol tightly, and I jumped through the hatch, landing on my feet in front of Finley, the gun pointed right at his chest. The big man stopped with a shocked expression and backed up a step. His cutlass moved up a notch. No! I hissed. Throw it down! I looked straight into his enraged eyes. Oh, lad! I could not do that now, could I? Be a gentleman and put up your weapon. We all be mates aboard here, ain't it so? He was grinning with menacing cheer, his bushy gray brows low and wrinkled. Drop your sword, Finley. I saw what you just tried to do. Oh, well, see, there's nothing but a rope in there, no harm done. The pistol was shaking in my hand. Finley, you tried to kill me in my sleep. Drop your sword or I swear I'll shoot you. The big red face frowned and Finley grit his teeth in a snarl. No, lad. You'll just have to pull the trigger and lay me low, now won't ye? I stared at him in horror, not understanding why the man would not budge at the threat of being shot. Ha ha! he sneered. You're afeard to kill a man standing right in front of ye, ain't ye? Something I'm wondering, mate. Will ye answer me one question before ye lay me down to my grave? I guess so. Well, lad, why put a big coil of rope in your hammock at all? Where's the sense in it? 
Unless, of course, you've got plans of your own down here, below decks. He knew what I was after. His eyes blazed into me with gleeful fury. Whatever my plans are, Finley, I'm sure not murdering my own crew like you're trying to. Aye, sir. And murder every man jack of em I'll surely do. How else shall I make off with the greatest treasure ever took by a pirate? I won't let you do it, Finley. You'd better believe that. But, lad, you're after some gold yourself. Don't be taking the high stand and airs with me about the lives of a few pirates. Why ain't we to help each other out a wee bit, shall we? Help? You just tried to kill me. But things have changed, my boy. Now you've presented yourself as nothing more than a thief. Am I right? I need it for a reason, Finley. I don't mean to kill anyone to get it. How much do you need? One bag of gold. And how do you propose to stash your bag on board, so's no one'll find out? I... I stopped because I realized that I could not tell him about the scrolls and my plan to leave the ship. I'll just hide it in a sea chest. A good plan? Only one bag? Just one? Why not take two? All I need is one, Finley. Aye. Well, it's your decision. I'll give you a bag of gold if that's all it'll take to get that gun pointed away from me. No way, Finley. I can't do that. His cheerful grin went away, a fixed look of hatred taking its place. Little pirate boy, he growled menacingly. You're in no position to be shooting people dead on the bridge deck. Put your pistol down before I run you through. I trembled under his horrible gaze. I knew that if I fired the gun, Morgan would be down in a flash, and all my hopes of treasure would be gone. Finley, will you help me hang my bag of gold from the stern? That's better, lad. Now why would you want to do that? Just grab a coil of rope and bring it up to the captain's cabin, I told him. He seemed willing to humor me, and turned toward the ropes piled along the bulkhead. He dragged one over as I climbed backwards up the ladder, keeping the gun pointed at him. When he got up the ladder, I let him follow me to the cabin. We went inside, and I pointed at the sack under the desk. Under there. Tie the rope to the bag securely, and hang the bag out the stern window so it tows along behind the ship. Aye, sir, he said mockingly, as he bent to tie the rope around the gold. When it was secure, he found the loose end of the rope and started to tie it around a beam. No, I said. Tie it on the outside of the ship, or someone might come in and see it. Well, I'm thinking you ought to be doing this yourself, lad, he grumbled. Just do it, Finley. Then I'll put the gun away. He snuck a quick glance at me, and I saw only doom in his look. Lad, will you bring me the chair over? He grunted as he stuck his head out the window. I dragged the desk chair to him, and Finley climbed onto it. The chair creaked under his bulk, but held him up before the stern window. He leaned out, looking to both sides. He twisted his head to look back inside and said, There's a wooden statue out here that looks good and stout. Tie the rope around it, I said. Finley pulled the end of the rope out the window and leaned. He could not reach the carving that I knew was a good five feet from the window. He put his foot up on the window ledge and craned out, trying to loop the rope around the statue. He grunted with effort. His foot lifted off the chair as he reached. I instantly lunged at the huge backside of Finley and slammed into it with all my weight. He let out a grunt and fell through the window. 
The rope whipped and scraped over the window ledge. I heard a splash. The rope kept running out the window until it snapped taut and started dragging the bag of gold across the floor. I threw myself on it and fought to dig my feet into the floor to stop it. We crashed against the bulkhead under the window, and then the rope went slack. I stood up and looked out. The rope trailed into our wake, and there was no sign of Finley. I'd been lucky the horrible man had not screamed when he fell. I was safe. Jameson and the others were safe. I went to the desk and wrote what happened to Finley at the end of my letter to Captain Jameson. The wind increased, and I felt the ship lean to port. I worked the scrolls out of my belt and placed one on top of my letter. I dropped the other one into a dark wine bottle and jammed the cork in tightly. I threw the bottle as far out behind the ship as I could so Morgan wouldn't hear a splash. Within seconds, the wind heeled the galleon over hard, and I looked out the window. The waves were like mountains moving past us. The galleon churned a foamy wake behind her. The longboat would never be able to catch up. How could I ever reach it if it came? There was no way I could go up on deck and make Morgan turn the galleon around. At that moment, I saw the longboat move straight across our wake, its lantern glow rising and falling between waves like a bouncing ball. I wrapped my arms around the bag of gold and hoisted it onto the window ledge. Then I climbed onto the ledge, took a huge breath, and dropped off the ship. I fell free tumbling over, and slammed into the water with the gold cradled in my belly. I plummeted toward the bottom and remembered that the rope was not tied to the ship. I kicked hard, trying to stop my descent. The bag was too heavy. I struggled to untie the leather strap that sealed it. I yanked, and it came away, letting out a cloud of gold dust. The bag turned over and poured its gold out into the water. As I stopped sinking and fought for enough control to swim to the surface, I felt the gold showering my body as it whirled and fell toward the bottom. I swam up, bursting at the lungs. When I reached the surface, the bag was empty. The gold was gone. The galleon was moving away through the tall waves. I turned and saw the lantern moving toward me. When I got to the longboat, I grabbed the gunwale and the boatman dragged me in. Why carry a rock into the sea? he asked. It wasn't. He started rowing back the way he'd come. His powerful arms soon had the boat crashing through the waves. I sat on the wooden bench, cold and sad. All my efforts were wasted. Everything I risked my life for went to the bottom of the sea. I was just as poor as when I'd first sat in this boat. In the end, I was no pirate at all. I was just a stupid kid with a story no one would ever believe. My father would never even know how I tried to get money for him. It was over. The boathouse was gone forever. Tough visit, the boatman grunted. Yeah, I guess. I just blew it totally. A rock? Not a rock, okay, it was gold. Heavier than most rocks, he said stupidly. Well, it's just gone for good, and nothing is even helped by this whole thing. Maybe next time. Just row, please. My eyes drooped. I slept again. The boat bumped into something, and I woke. We were at the pier. My pier. I smelled the burned wood in the yard. Home again, said the boatman. He got up and lifted me onto the pier. Then he sat, gave me a quick wave, and rowed away. I stood there looking into the dark water for quite a while. 
I walked up to the house, climbed onto the porch roof, and crawled in my window. My model ships were little insults in the darkness. I wanted to smash them all. Instead, I went to my bed. A Candlelight Stories audio production. This novel and its recording are both copyright by Alessandro Chima and Candlelight Stories, Inc., available at candlelightstories.com.